Welcome to Backlog Books. My name is Kara. My pronouns are she, her. This is the podcast where I spend a little time talking about what I've been reading lately. Please be aware that there will be spoilers for the books ahead. Whether you are a 91 books a year reader or a one book a year reader, thank you for joining me. It feels like a million things have happened since I last recorded, and I think that's just how the world is now, but it's nice for me to be able to sit down and take some time to do this. I will be covering another trilogy this time, and I hope you have heard of it because it's really good. I probably should have done an episode for each of these books, but it's too late now. So here we go. Today, we are talking about The Wayfarers series by Becky Chambers. It's our first sci-fi. Here is the summary for the first book, The Long Way to a Small, Angry Planet. Rosemary Harper doesn't expect much when she joins the crew of the aging Wayfarer. While the patched-up ship has seen better days, it offers her a bed, a chance to explore the far-off corners of the galaxy, and most importantly, some distance from her past. An introspective young woman who learned early to keep to herself, she's never met anyone remotely like the ship's diverse crew, including Sissix, the exotic reptilian pilot, chatty engineers Kizzy and Jenks who keep the ship running, and Ashby, their noble captain. Life aboard the Wayfarer is chaotic and crazy, exactly what Rosemary wants. It's also about to get extremely dangerous when the crew is offered the job of a lifetime. Tunneling wormholes through space to a distant planet is definitely lucrative and will keep them comfortable for years. But risking her life wasn't part of the plan. In the far reaches of deep space, the tiny Wayfarer crew will confront a host of unexpected mishaps and thrilling adventures that force them to depend on each other. To survive, Rosemary's got to learn how to rely on this assortment of oddballs, an experience that teaches her about love and trust and that having a family isn't necessarily the worst thing in the universe. The first book was published in 2014, and the most recent one was published in 2018. There is a fourth book expected to be published in 2021. I read these books in March and May of 2020. Our author, Becky Chambers, was born in 1985. She self-published the first book after raising funds to do so on Kickstarter. Chambers won the 2019 Hugo Award for Best Series for these books. I heard about these books because I asked for recommendations of sci-fi books written by female authors, and this series came up several times. These books are connected. They're set in the same universe, and the characters are at least tangentially related, but there's no cohesive plot tying them together. Each book tells a unique story. So I will cover what I liked about the world and the books overall, and then talk some about each individual book. In the last episode of this podcast, I talked about the Dreamland books and how frustrated I was with them. It seemed like the world there was thrown together haphazardly and that nothing really happened. I have seen some reviews that have the same complaints about the Wayfarer series, and I thought it was interesting to have these books back to back. In some ways, they are similar. They're slow and character-driven, but for me, I think the difference is that this world and Wayfarers feels coherent and it makes sense. 
And I like seeing how these characters grow and what they choose to do, which was very much not the case for the Dreamland books. In Wayfarers, though we do have many different and interesting alien species, the main focus is on the human characters. The alien cultures are explored, but I guess we focus on humans to help make the characters more relatable. In the history of the Wayfarer world, humans left Earth centuries ago. They left in two waves. The first was the rich, abandoning a dying Earth and settling on Mars. Uh-huh. The second wave was everyone else, packed into generation ships and heading out in search of a new home. A generation ship is a starship meant for a long interstellar journey. The idea is that it will take so long for the ship to get to its destination that the original inhabitants will have died and their descendants will be the ones to arrive. Humanity has recently joined the Galactic Commons, an alliance between many different alien species. Humans were barely admitted. First, they had to reconcile between the humans on Mars and the fleet of generation ships, and these two groups hadn't spoken to each other in generations. There is an undertone through the whole series of the aliens wondering why humans were even let into the Galactic Commons, the GC, and humans learning where they fit in a galactic system. There are those who think letting humans in was a mistake, which I can't blame them for lately, but most beings meet each other with open minds. Now, I love hopeful, speculative futures for humanity. I have been getting really into Star Trek in the last few years, and that's what these books remind me of. Movies or books that are all dark and no bright side are just not that interesting to me. I think the best way I can explain it is with a quote from Terry Pratchett. Talking about writing and writing fantasy in particular, he said, Why does the third of the three brothers who shares his food with the old woman in the wood go on to become king of the country? Why does James Bond manage to disarm the nuclear bomb a few seconds before it goes off rather than, as it were, a few seconds afterwards? because a universe where that did not happen would be a dark and hostile place. Let there be goblin hordes, let there be terrible environmental threats, let there be giant mutated slugs if you really must, but let there be hope. It may be a grim, thin hope, an Arthurian sword at sunset, but let us know that we do not live in vain. End quote. Our first book is The Long Way to a Small Angry Planet. Who among us hasn't imagined running away and joining a long-haul crew of wormhole builders? Rosemary, our protagonist, has led a sheltered life on Mars before all this starts. There's something she's running away from, of course. Mostly, her character serves as a way for the author to introduce us to this world, to the way the different races live alongside each other. You get a look at how humans have integrated into this larger society. You meet the human engineer who's in love with the ship's onboard artificial intelligence, the human captain in a secret relationship with an Aluan, another alien species, and one that frowns upon interspecies relationships. The main journey of this book is Rosemary learning about the wider universe she inhabits. She knows a lot of theory about the GC and the other species that make it up, 
but she's been on Mars and part of a wealthy family her whole life. It's one thing to read about something and another thing entirely to experience it. She learns where she fits in with the Wayfarer's crew as she learns where she fits into the world. Our background is the galactic commons trying to forge an alliance with a new species, the Hedraka. But for our crew, they're just doing a job. Their job is to punch wormholes for interstellar travel, which is cool. But for them, it's their day job. They're not the diplomats who made first contact. They're not the people trying to hash out this alliance. Mostly, their job is to spend a year flying to a planet. I read this pre-self-isolation rules, but that's kind of the vibe here. They're stuck in a small space with the same people, and everybody trips over each other, literally and figuratively. At the end of the book, the crew is nearly killed by extremists among the Hedraka before they can complete the job. Their AI is reset, which is a devastating loss for the crew. They all considered their AI as one of them. You learn that this is an uncommon attitude to have towards artificial intelligences in the galactic commons. Most people think of them as a tool and nothing more. Rosemary, now sure of her place among the crew, helps them to make arrangements for the AI and put themselves back together. The second book, A Closed and Common Orbit, instead of carrying on the question of the Galactic Commons and the Hedra Ka, follows Lovey, the AI from the first book. Well, okay, not really, because the AI in the first book dies. What remains is the base code of an AI, with none of Lovey's memories or personality. So this base code artificial intelligence is offered a chance to inhabit a body kit instead of staying in the ship. A body kit is basically an artificial body. Pepper, a friend of the Wayfarer crew, takes the new AI in and helps her adjust to having a physical form and teaches her how to hide. Putting an AI in a body kit is illegal. The AI chooses a new name, Sidra. She wrestles with what it means to be a sentient being and how to exist in a limited physical form with limited memory. She was programmed to be a spaceship and to have constant access to their version of the internet. You know the feeling you have when you know you've heard a story or seen a video or read an article, but you have no access to the internet and you're left grasping at the straws of your memory? That's what it's like for Sidra all the time. Alongside Sidra's story, you learn about Pepper's past. She was genetically engineered to work in a factory. Her home world is built with half the world living in peace and prosperity, and the other half is all factories and trash piles. Her world could use machines and artificial intelligence for the factories, but of course, unpaid human labor is cheaper. You follow a young Pepper as she learns that there is a world beyond the factory walls and her struggles to find a way off of the planet with the help of an AI. Pepper, in these flashbacks, is basically raised by this AI who teaches her what it means to be human instead of a cog in a machine. Pepper takes what she learned and she does her best to teach Sidra how to be not necessarily a human, but a person. 
The denouement is the rescue of the AI, the same one who raised Pepper from where she's been stashed, forgotten, and alone for 20 years. In the end, Sidra has made a life for herself. She's chosen her own path and decided for herself what it means to be a person. The third book, last book, almost done, is Record of a Spaceborn Few. I think the third book is my favorite. I hate to pick favorites, but I think it's my favorite. It follows life in the ships that escaped from Earth so long ago, known as the Exodon Fleet. One of the characters we follow is the Wayfarer's captain's sister, so that's our connection to the first book. The fleet recently suffered a disaster. One of their generation ships was destroyed in an accident. I'm so used to high drama in fiction that I was expecting to learn that the ship had been destroyed deliberately. But it's just an accident. Sometimes awful things happen for no reason. However, the destruction is a catalyst for our characters to reconsider the life they had taken for granted for so long. The Exodens, you see, are facing a steady degradation of their population as their children decide to move away from the fleet and go planetside. You can't really blame them. After all, the Exodens left Earth to seek out a new homeworld. Staying in the ships was never the plan. Those who remain with the fleet can't imagine leaving, but they also have a very insular society. They're wary of outsiders and don't like when someone is curious about their way of life. One of our characters, Sawyer, moves to the fleet hoping to connect and find a new home and ends up struggling because there's no one to help him integrate. He makes huge social gaffes and is immediately shunned. Exodens assume that he's acting in bad faith instead of giving him the benefit of the doubt. He falls in with illegal salvagers because they're the only ones who are open and welcoming. Like I said earlier, these books are mainly build-up. Things are changing for the characters, but it's very gradual. I enjoy the journey I'm taken on in these books. From wormhole builders to an AI living planetside and now to a fleet of generation ships. They are basically slice-of-life stories set in space. And slice-of-life is a type of story. It's characters going about their lives, observing the world around them. Rather than being about big events, it's about daily life. The end brings everything together as a good ending should. Sawyer dies during an illegal salvage mission on the Generation ship, the one that was destroyed at the beginning of this book. The discovery of his body is our final catalyst, the deciding factor for the other characters. Where the destruction of the Generation ship made them start questioning their lives, Sawyer's death crystallizes the choices they're going to make. And there is no one right answer for everyone. Some choose to stay and work to make their home better, and some choose to leave for the opportunities available elsewhere. Instead of trying to stay exactly the same in a much different environment, as the fleet had been trying to do since they joined the Galactic Commons, they begin to learn how to open up and accept change, but also how to retain the good things their culture has to offer. 
in the end, what's important in these books is not the science or the space travel or how cool the technology is. What matters is the family you found and the home you made. That's what these books are about. My final word on the Wayfarer's books is that I really like these. I love the world building here. Even the slow pacing doesn't ruin it for me. Definitely give these books a try. I'm very much looking forward to the fourth book when it comes out. If you want more media like these books, I guess you gotta watch Star Trek. Start anywhere you want. I personally suggest you start with The Next Generation. I also want to suggest the book The Color of Distance by Amy Thompson because she uses a similar alien culture to the Aluans, namely that a big part of the alien communication is through color. And that's it. You can join me next time to hear about revenge plots and why they're hardly ever a good idea. You can find the podcast on Facebook at Backlog Books Podcast comments, questions, thoughts, you can reach me at backlogbookspod at gmail.com. The music you heard at the beginning and playing now is by Joseph McDade. You can hear more of his work at josephmcdade.com. Thank you for spending this time with me. I really enjoyed talking about these books. I hope to talk with you again soon.